la 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 la. Is it Christmas? Not yet, but it's coming. We, we, we'd better actually talk about books that you could potentially buy for Christmas. Oh, we'll yes. Do that shortly. But in case you think, oh, hang on, what's happened here? We are The Bookgram, and we are in association with Starburst Magazine, and we are on Fab, RadioInternational.com. I'm your host, Ed Fortune. And I'm Nympha Hayes. <laughs> Coming up next, we have all sorts of book nonsense, and we're going to be talking about... Uh, Queen of Shadows, and I'm going to be talking about To Be or Not To Be by Ryan Lowe. <laughs> Sunday Falsies. The Sunday Falsies is your weekly dose of pro wrestling from the UK and all over the world. Join Craig and Gas every Sunday, 3 till 5, right here on Fab Radio International. Enjoy and we'll see you front row. This is Fab Radio International. International. So, as the winter draws closer, we are in midwinter. It is midwinter. It is cold. Um, the reason we're about to have an enormous party in the middle of winter is because it's cold and it's miserable and it's wet and it's snowing and no one wants to go outdoors and have fun, except maybe to throw snowballs. No, we want to stay in and eat all the food. All of it in my face. Read all of the books. Oh, yes. All of the books. Yeah, books are my, my, my list. So, Christmas is... I've been a good girl, Santa, just bring me all of the books on my list and I'll be happy. So because everyone's in hiding, there's not much in the way of book news. So, <laughs> well, the book news is there are lots of books, buy them for Christmas. So we're going <laughs> to take a quick look at some of the books that are either out or coming out. Um, I'm going to start with um, A Gathering of Shadows um, by uh, B.E. Schwab, uh, who's signed up with Titan recently and is also with Tall Books. And Schwab returns to his mis- Schwab returns to his mystical take on the city of London. Schwab, I believe, is a lady, but never mind, um, because there aren't enough books about London. Hey, who wrote that piece that you're reading from? I'm not sure. Oh no, it's some idiot from Starburst magazine. Um, <laughs> have you mis- that be you? Have you misgendered somebody? I have again. Would that be you misgendering I'm- people? I'm shaking my finger at you. It's because I'm a tool of the patriarchy. Uh, <laughs> you are. You totally are. Um, On your knees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Gathering of Shadows, months have passed since the Shadow Stone fell into the hands of those who should not have it, and it was finally cast into Black London. Oh, yeah, this is the one where you've got, like, Red London and Black London and different different sorts of mystical Londons and uh, different levels. Of How many of... Londons does one person need? Well, according to the world of fantasy fiction, many, 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 many souls Oh, once you're tired of London, you're tired of life, or you're just really tired of, of London. Well, London's great. Like, I love London. I love I love visiting London. I couldn't live there anymore. I used to live there, like, a decade ago. 
It was great. Well, now, now it would drive me bonkers and bank would move in six months. I call it this documentary I was reading by Baron Benaranovich. Mm-hmm. It, it's full of supernatural creatures as well, and there's a very small police force that deal with it. So. <laughs> you see, that's a much better London. It um, really isn't. So, another um, great book that's coming out, and it's on my Christmas list. <laughs> it's on my Christmas list. It's driven by Kelly Armstrong, um, and the... Um, this is an illustrated book um, by Subterranean Press. Um, these are really lovely books. Like the 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 not um, a, the not mass produced, so there's only a limited number of them. Um, the illustrations are from Xavier Dumarie, um, who does uh, pretty much all of the illustrations for for the um, Other World um, series, the Women of the Other World, um, by Kelly Armstrong. Um, so um, this is a novella. Um, it's got a number, as I said, of full-color illustrations. Uh, it's set in the other world, uh-huh, uh, which we love. Uh, it focuses on the renegade werewolves, um, the Canes. Um, if you've read any of the books, um, y- you will you will know who the Canes were. Uh, known for being big, British, and not too bright, the Mutt clan embodies all the supernatural world's worst stereotypes. Unfortunately, someone seems to think it's okay to hunt and skin these freakish outcasts. It's up to the Alpha, who is Elena Michaels, or Elena Michaels, um, to help them out and get to the bottom of this violent problem. You see, as an old-school World of Darkness fan, I think someone's skinning wells. Someone's skinning wells. Really? Are they a really clever serial killer? Is it? Dun-dun-dun, Samuel Hitt. If you have <laughs> any idea what I'm talking about... <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, and, of course, we're at Radio Bookworm on Twitter. We're also Radio Bookworm on Facebook. We're also Radio Bookworm on Tumblr. I'm going to talk about Plague, the Miranda Chronicle. Volume one, one by uh, Gary Chudley and Tanya Roberts. Um, it's, an, it's a graphic novel again. It's an interesting mix of sorcery and zombie apocalypse. The Miranda Chronicles has uh, been causing a stir for some time. Uh, the, the novel focuses on Thomas Mackey, who is a witch hunter. He has a Ooh. witch hunting dog called Dex, uh, and off he goes <laughs> in this post-apocalyptic world, which is full of zombies and monsters, and they all blame the witches for, for making the world end. Um, then he bumps into the only witch who seems to know how to cure the zombie plague and shenanigans um, and Sue Sue. do you have another book there? there are quite a few different ones Um, there's The Art of XCOM 2 uh, which for um, fans of XCOM might be quite interesting. Um, it's it's one of those books that you could call a coffee table book by the looks of it. It's one of those that you will leaf through and see pretty um, designs and pretty illustrations and pretty things uh, about the world of um, of XCOM. Um, it's um, out on January the 12th, pr- published by Titan Books, uh, and basically it's a behind-the-scene look at the concept art that was created by, for the new game. Uh, it sounds really interesting. I mean, I've not played XCOM, but I know a load of my friends are crazy about it, um, so I can see it being a good sort of like post-Christmas gift for people that have birthdays then. I'm really looking forward to The Tiger and the Wolf, Echoes of the Fall, by... I've never heard of this guy. Adrian Tchaikovsky? No, oh, we don't no, know no, that no, guy. No. No. Is, that is, is, guy he, is he no. young and hip and up and coming? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> His short version. Does he have some sort of hipster facial hair arrangement? <laughs> no. It's like you know him. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Mania is an outcast. She is the love child of two tribal leaders. Oh dear. Sadly for her, those tribes are at war. Oh dear, dear. Uh, when strangers from four south appear, seeking allies for their own conflict, uh, it's seen as an omen. The priests foresee danger. You don't say. Uh, darkness is falling across the land. Some say a great wolf is coming, overshadowing even even the ambitions of the tribe of the wolf. Mm. So this is a this is. Um, Essentially, it, it sounds like it's brutal kind of savage fantasy. Um, we, we do tend to expect a lot from Adrian Tchaikovsky, in fairness. Um, but to be fair, he usually delivers. He, uh-huh. does, he does deliver it in absolute shed loads, didn't it? Um, there's, um, this one's a, a curious one. I'm, I'm kind of... I, I don't know. I'm tempted to pick it up. It's called The Lost Time Accidents, uh, a novel by John Ray, uh, and it's published by Farah Strauss and Giraud. Uh, release date is February the 9th, and it's basically... Um, a, it's, it's described as a whistle-stop tour of strange new histories uh, from the turn of the century Viennese salons buzzing with rumours about Einstein's radical new theory to the golden age of post-war pulp science fiction. Uh, the book will focus on Waldemar Wally Tolliver, a man with a haunted past who wakes one morning to discover that he's been removed from the flow of time. Only by facing his past and his future can Waldy return to normality, whatever that is. Sounds like a, a bit of a Doctor Who um, episode, doesn't it? The, you know the ones where the Doctor isn't there? Yes. But 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 you kind of feel the doctor in the background, but everything's just happening without you seeing him. And then in the end, he just appears having a cup of coffee while he runs, you know, behind a Cyberman or something. The, the hand of the doctor there. Yeah. As opposed to the hand of Rasslon, which is something yeah. else. Uh, it's definitely not a hand. Um, the coffee about- mug of Rasslon. <laughs> The teacup of Rattle, no? The USB stick of Rattle. <laughs> I think we're pushing it now. <laughs> and yet they will still make merchandise of all of these things. But you can get the seal of Rattle on, who's quite good at bouncing a beach ball on his nose. So. <laughs> uh, talking of all things Doctor Who, let's talk about Star Wars. Uh, Star Yay! What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Seriously. No, that's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but is that really time travel? Uh, no. yeah. It depends on whether the doctor was there. Do you want me to deliver a 90-minute lecture on how hyperspace... No, is? no, no, never. Okay. Get out of here. <laughs> so, so Nobody talk- wants that. Not, not even George Lucas, no. not even me. Um, <laughs> Nobody needs to see a film of sand, George. No one. No one yes. Oh, that, that's a good line. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know the guy who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Star Wars... I apologise, dear listener, we've gone very meta here in the studio. <laughs> uh, Star Wars Aftermath, Life Debt, is the sequel to Star was Aftermath uh, by Chuck Wendig. That Aftermath is the one you reviewed, isn't it? Yes, so I'm looking forward to Life Debt, especially as Life Debt is a thing that's got something to do with Wookiees. Uh, we don't have that much information on it, apart from the fact that the cover has features yet another exploding Death Star, which is always nice. Uh, frequently controversial, but never... <laughs> Nice. So is nice. Nice. controversial but never boring. Chuck Wendig has impressed fans with the first book in the Star Wars series, Aftermath. Um, uh, the set between the Return of Jedi and the Force Awakens. The next book has the same ragtag set of heroes, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of Mr. Bones, who is, you know those goofy, goofy uh, war droids? Uh, that actually doesn't work as an idea. I've just realised. Goofy war droids. They're, they're comedy murderers. Very well done, George. Uh, Yes, the the goofy. Did, I'm sorry. Do not mock the George. The... Do, just do, don't don't. It's a frightening beard. Um, you know the, the robots that go Roger Roger. Those. <laughs> well, in Chuck Wendig's version, he's he's taken one of those. One of the characters has taken one of those and turned it into a murder machine. So it wanders yeah. it wanders up to people and they go, "Oh, it's a 
Total Wars for Wardroid, I hang on, give me a screwdriver in a minute, I'll be able to disable it. Uh-huh. And then, no. it, then it just goes, ha-ha, I've got knives. I'm and, ninja! <laughs> and ninjas. Um, it's, a, it's a great series. The problem with the Aftermath series, I think we've mentioned before, is the fact that people who haven't read the book but are fans of the older books object to it existing in the first place. So they've been like, oh, no, it's terrible. It's like, no, it's actually it's quite good for, for what it is. It's quite good. Um, yeah. Uh, do we need more books? Have we got more books? Do we, um, do we need more books? Do, do, we, okay. we always need more books. Just, need just, more books. just, just, just repeat, got, repeat it 50 times and, and in fact, just write it down so you don't forget. Got a huge book list of books that we'd really like to read. Oh, I, honestly. And we could spend the entire show talking about it, so. Uh, is it time to move on? Or yes. No. <laughs> always time to move on. I'm cuddling the Starbus cover. Because it's a Star Wars cover. Available now in selected Tesco, Asda, WH Smiths, and online. Uh, and random stores. Mm. All, all and, and, and good it's independent It's quite retailers. interesting this month because there's the Peanuts movie, <gasps> which God, I am please absolutely... Please don't be shit, please don't be shit, please don't be shit. Yes, yes, that, that, that is the mantra. <laughs> um, it's the same mantra that I uh, adopt to the Star Wars movie. It's, like, it's, every time someone says, oh, please don't be shit, please don't. It's, it's, please it's, the, don't, man, it's don't. the mantra that I had for Paddington. Some, um, of, you, some of you will have seen the Star Wars movie. Some of us haven't. Guess which category we're in. Uh, yes. I don't know what I'm going to see. This is like the saddest time of my life. So no spoilers on this show because we've not seen it. If you want to send your spoilers, please send them to not us. <laughs> I'm going to suggest that it involves stars and war. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Boops. Could go either way. Boops. Could could go either Boops. way. Yeah. Boops. Shall we move on? Yes, let's move on. Uh, first review. Yeah. This is The Bookworm on Fab Radio International, brought to you Stobbers Magazine. I'm brought to you by the miracle of energy drink, and Ninfa is brought <laughs> to you by the miracle of coffee. Coffee! I would, I would like to officially thank Cafe Nero for my praline latte, uh, also known as brain juice this morning. Because yeah. I had no brain. So. I, I'm on still Vimto. Mm. Mm. Manchester. Yay! Yes, so... So British. Books, 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 books. Uh, to be or not to be a choosable path adventure by Ryan North. Is <laughs> so if you want to be, go oh, to no. page 13. If you not <laughs> to be, be he, he go does, to page 120. He does that, guy. Um, so... Uh, Ryan North is better known for Dinosaur Comics, which you may or may not have seen. That's the weird comic where the, the, the artwork never changes. It's a dinosaur talking to another dinosaur. Oh, oh I've seen that! And I the dinosaur that. stands on a house and then he stands on a car and they say something witty. That's <clears> Ryan North. He's also known for writing Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which if you read comic books, you should get. Also, if you have kids in your life, you know if they're like comic book reading age you should feed them unbeatable squirrel, squirrel girl because it's really charming 
Anyway, those are all the things that Ryan North has done. He's also done Shakespeare. Um, As you do. So because, got, you know, the leap is easy from dinosaurs to Shakespeare. Oh, uh, Ryan North is a complete comic genius. What he's done is, firstly, he's grabbed as many artist friends as he possibly could. He did this via Kickstarter, and he did very well on the Kickstarter. A lot of this went to a, a charity that he'd set up called the um, Charitable Uncorporation Red Pig. Is what a lot of this went through. But he got people like Kate Beaton involved. Um... You know, Becky Glynn, uh, absolute piles of John Allison, absolute piles of Runner Bird, uh, absolute piles of really, really good artists that, you know, if you know comics, you'll love. And if you know modern art, then you'll you'll love. Um, unless you're, you know, a fine arts person, in which case, I don't know, broaden your horizons, maybe? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, judgmental. Ooh. It's not judgmental. It's sort of Anyway, some really, really cool stuff that that's in this book. So it's full of really cool illustrations. But what is... You, I hear you asking to be or not to be a choosable path adventure. Well, it's an adventure game book based on Shakespeare's Hamlet. Now, obviously, at the start of this book, Ryan North claims that that tri- time-travelling scoundrel Shakespeare has stolen his idea. <laughs> Um, and it continues to get silly, sillier from there on. Now, I've, I've, I've read slash played the original book. I've also played the Tin Man Games uh, app version because because it's an, an adventure book. Most adventure books these days come in an app version, and Tin Man do a lot of them. Uh, the app version has lots of um, party poppers and sound effects and hooray sounds. <laughs> um, so you get to play various characters. So you can play Hamlet. You can play Ophelia. Ophelia. Wow, I'm surprised. And you can play Hamlet Senior. So obviously the first... Um, oh, it, is it a ghost? Oh, oh, it's brilliant, because what happens is you start the game and then you die. Congratulations, <laughs> you're dead. Uh, and this is how silly it gets. So, say you're, you're bubbling along as Hamlet Senior and you die. Well, if you remember the actual play, he dies in a foreign land, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. So the first thing is, is that he can't actually understand what the Finnish are saying. <laughs> because 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 Finns you know Finns and Danes can communicate with each other because they've got a very similar language, but they kind kind of have to speak slowly. <laughs> Oddly enough, if you write it down, she does a lot of writing down to try and work out how he got murdered. She does a fair amount of investigation on how he got murdered. He then has to once he's worked out how he's been killed, so he can then go and because you know. In the play, this is never explained. There's never an investigation scene with, with you know, Hamlet's ghost. <laughs> Denmark's side. Exactly. You know, and he's a, he's a ghost. He can walk through walls. He can spy on people. But he can't understand what they're saying unless they speak slowly and clearly, which they're not doing because, you know, there's been a war and the king's just died. You know, it's, it's a bit difficult. So he eventually uses sign language and some, some writing, depending if you, you make those choices. And then you have to travel across the sea back to Denmark. Well, he can get on a boat, apparently... Or alternatively, you can do the thing where you decide to walk because you've a course, You can just walk along the surface, and this is where the humor. This is this. You can already tell the humor of Ryan North is rich here. There's a, there's an option where, as a ghost, you can go. Oh look, micro micro creatures and all sorts of interesting marine biology creatures. You need to stop at a sunken galley and examine it. You can spend a couple of hundred years being you know the best ghost marine biologist there ever was, <laughs> looking at starfish, and then you go, oh yeah, I should have really talked to my son about you know. Oh, he's dead now. I, I've missed that. Never mind. Um, 
clearly, clearly marked throughout it is the path that actually is Hamlet. Hamlet? Macbeth. Uh, the what? No, Hamlet. 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 Um, I, I'll get to Macbeth in a moment. Um, the, there's clearly, clearly the bit that is Hamlet where, where you can kind of follow, follow the, the path story. And follow the story. Um, so if you play as Ophelia, essentially, your family turns up and goes... Hamlet's 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 awful and insane. Uh, what are you doing? You shouldn't touch him. Blah 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 blah. But he loves him. And and bless him, Ryan North basically just tells you off. And we're, oh God's sake! Really, really, this is really sexist. You should do something about this. This is really sexist. You should do something about it. And if you decide to do something about it, it turns out that Ophelia is really good at science. Really clever, really smart. Once she once she gets herself under from the the pressure of her family and gets on, she's actually she she invents central heating and plumbing. Um, really, really clever girl, um, and actually helps helps Hamlet out. Uh, there is an option of Hamlet. If Hamlet can you know if Hamlet ignores his father, uh, he just goes that's a ghost and runs away. He's like that's a bit much. Ah, oh, well, I'm not going to get anywhere here. Hmm. Let's no, emigrate. Let's go to England. So he goes to England, goes to university in England, meets up with this nice guy called Macbeth. <laughs> uh, and this guy called Macbeth actually uh, has a nickname for him, which is Banquo. Never really <laughs> explains it. And so on. So, as you can probably tell, so on the one hand, yes, actually, it's a really good examination of Hamlet. If you follow the path, and it's clearly marked, if you follow the path, that is that is Hamlet. It's a first-person perspective of Hamlet, and it kind of he keeps filling it full of factoids and stuff about the history of Denmark and history of Finland and different things of languages and all sorts of different random facts. But he does them as gags. If you've read the dinosaur comics, if you ever mm. read the dinosaur yeah. comics, where he'll just throw a fact out as a as a kind of a as a kind of like a non sequitur, and you're like, goodness, that's actually really interesting, and also has a punchline. Hooray! Um, he'll do that, and that just becomes a kind of fairly straightforward thing. And then he goes, well, I'm bored with this as an idea, and then he just fills up with silliness all the way through, solid silliness. Uh, all so you you know, there's a, this obviously there's an option where you can be a ninja. Obviously, there's an option where, you know, Ophelia can do other scientific research, which I'll not go into because it's spoiling. But, you know, <laughs> they can go off and they can become scientists. They can go off and do, you know, essentially, as soon as they avoid going down the tragic path. and uh, They actually become productive human beings. There's actually a great bit where uh, all the other characters, one of the rules, apparently, of this, the, the way that Randolph has built this, is all the other characters who aren't, you can't, that you aren't controlling behave as if they're in a Macbeth play so if you break it Macbeth play, Shakespeare play they behave, behave as if they're in a Shakespeare play so if they um, if you break the rules early on and go off script everyone else continues <laughs> to speak as if as I'm trying to bring you back what are you doing man <laughs> improvisation is not a thing as, as if it was like a, you know, a school production that had gone horribly wrong <laughs> <laughs> so so that works and it also means that you get a dose of Shakespeare and you, you get to see where the bits of Hamlet would slide in and the context for that um, so it, as a as a study aid, if there is someone in your life who is currently just having to study Shakespeare uh, for you know for educational purposes rather than fun, and you should totally study Shakespeare for fun, by the way, um, he said, being you know an old bloke who can say things like that. Then it's brilliant because it's actually, uh, and I, I mean, I had the sort of school teachers who'd be like, who'd look at something like that and be like, kind of, oh, oh well, you should read the actual play because that's just, that's just, no, um, that person is talking about and you should actually read something before criticizing. Uh, to be or not to be is an absolutely wonderful and handy guide to the world of Hamlet. It's also 
fun and hilarious at the same time. It gives you multiple contexts for for the production. Um, it, 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 it examines Elizabethan Britain for a start. It examines modern Britain for a start. It talks about Europe in general. Uh, it talks about the history of the world in general. It also has just some random science running in there because it's <laughs> Ryan North and why not? But it also does do the play. Um, so yeah, uh, would I ch- turn to page 400 and, uh, and, and give it a top rating? Absolutely. <laughs> I see um, what you did there. Um, get the. I, I would say if you're going to get any of the editions, uh, if you're giving it as gift, get the book. If you're uh, using it for yourself just for fun, get the app because the app is the app's got all the content that the book has um, and some extra pictures and some extra bonus bits and pieces, and it's just as much fun. Um, so yeah, that's to be the choosable path adventure. Oh, and he's doing a sequel. Yay! It's called Romeo and or Juliet. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> this is Fab Radio International. International. So we caught up with this wonderful small press author and we had some fantastic things to uh, talk to him about. So um, yes, coming up next, an interview. This is Fab Radio International. International. JC Norman, welcome to the bookworm. Yeah, thanks for having me. And what can you tell us about your book? Well, my book was, the series itself is called Spheres Divide and the first book in this series is Pilgrim of Element. The genre itself is sort of like an alternative fantasy and it's really just a story about a physical and emotional journey set around a cast of different characters and with two pretty much key plot points which i hope to link up both of their stories as the plot progresses can you tell us more well it's first it starts off with two protagonists um, both in different locations a male and a female character and the male's one is really just about a simple um, journey that he has to make with cast, with a cast of characters that he meets throughout it. His, his story is really about um, understanding himself and learning about who he is and about the world itself, the characters and the creatures and the people that live in this world. So with him, the, the questions that the audience asks, he will ask through the story how things work and everything like that. The female's um, character, hers is more of a pilgrimage of um, a sacred thing that she would have to do around the world. So hers is a pilgrimage of elements. She is brought up in a school where she must train to learn with the elements of wind, controlling it and such. And each school would have a different element, fire, wind, water, earth, electricity, and so on. Every time that the elementalist would travel to a different location, there would be a stadium of thousands of people watching this sacred battle for her to learn it and then carry on until she's learned them all. And um, that is pretty much the the summary of those two. I, obviously, I can go further into the plot of it, but that might take a little longer. 
Why fantasy? Well, I've always liked the freedom of fantasy because um, obviously with fantasy, because it's a completely fictional world, every element in it is sort of under my control. If I was to write a book in a historical way, I'd have to look up many more things about it. But with science fiction and fantasy, I'm free to come up with my own history, how things work, and even the... um, the dynamics and the physics of how the world works. And it, it just makes the story a lot more fun to work with, how you can come up with a lot more different things. You're not restricted by reality. Why is fantasy so popular now? I think it always has embraced in the genre. It might have changed a little differently over the fact that over the past 15 to 20 years, gaming uh, has become such a bigger thing than what it used to be in the 80s and 90s. And again, from that, you've got um, games like Final Fantasy and Skyrim and all these, and Mass Effect and all these big science fiction and fantasy games, which are bringing in a larger audience than what was just then previous with um, films and books. What's next? Um, after I finished my next book, well, this series itself, I do hope to write lots of different things. I wouldn't like to be stuck within this certain genre and hope to like to write some other things as well this series at the minute spheres divide i'm just published the first one but i'm currently writing the fourth so i've got the second and third one already set up and ready to go and once this series is finished i've got my eye on some other series as well has the internet changed the rules when it comes to publishing i think it has because it's a lot more easily and accessible to become published now because of self-published um, companies like that. And now that um, because of the internet, everything is almost um, it's sort of like an ocean of information. It will be e- even easier to um, write fan fiction, post it up on a pod or something like that. And, you know, everybody can read nowadays. So it's definitely helped a lot. If you could write for any franchise, what would it be? I would probably go with the Final Fantasy one because, again, that's so diverse that if I was to write a Final Fantasy story, I wouldn't have to take any of their particular worlds but make my own one up. Or, again, I've always been a big fan of um, Star Wars, Tolkien's world, and um, George R. R. Martin's, but I think, you know, they're perfect as the way they are. I'd, I'd probably stay away from those. Sure, no, as diverse as it thinks it is. I like to think it is. I mean, with... Um, it might not just be the fantasy one, but a lot of gamers, there does seem to be some um, elitism sometimes. But that's the great thing about the diversity of it all, about how you could meet someone who's really into fantasy, and but they like Harry Potter, for instance, where someone else could like like Doctor Who or things like that. And it just, it just means that there's so much difference around with everyone and they can always share their experiences with these things. If you were trapped on a desert island and you only had one book for company, what would it be? I'd probably go with um, the, the complete works of A Song of Ice and Fire, brackets, when he finishes it, close brackets. Simpsons or Futurama? Futurama. Fire or ice? Fire. Truth or beauty? Truth. Is he Norman, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me again. This is Fab Radio International. 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 
and we're back. This is the Bookworm on Fab Radio International. If you're just catching up with us, you've missed quite a bit. Why are you late? That's not nice. Anyways, um, the second part of the show is usually where I do my little review. Um, today, I'm talking about Queen of Shadows by Sarah Damas. Uh, which is the fourth book uh, in the um, in the um, um, Throne of Glass series. Um, now, as a fourth book, as always, it's going to be quite hard not to give any spoilers. So I'll try my very best to to give you an overview. Um, so, if you haven't read any of the Throne of Glass um, books uh, that precede Queen of Shadows, um, a, a, a sort of very very quick overview of the story um selena sardothian it's a she's a um an assassin in fact she is the best assassin in rift hall possibly in the whole world um she is at the beginning of the story she has been captured and is uh, working in the mines of endeavor uh, and then the crown prince comes over looking for a a candidate to become champion um, of the king of rift hall and so Selena's taken out of the mines. She's scrubbed off, fed up, trained up, because obviously she's been in the mines working and it's not a very pleasant place. Um, and um, without going into too much, she takes place into this um, tournament. Uh, of course, the story is much, much bigger than that. Throughout the uh, following three books, we discover that Selena has a massive secret um, and um, all of her backstory comes to light um, in the third book which is Air of Fire she leaves Riftold and travels to Wendling um, and at the beginning of the fourth book she's returning from her travels and all of her adventures and all the discoveries she's made in Wendling um, to Riftold uh, to exact her vengeance um, she comes back to a very very different Riftold um, there's a, a, a rebel movement um, that is sort of like stepping up their gear trying to, to get to the king and, and sort of deal some swift blows to the current government uh, because the king is is um, bloodthirsty and, and, and horrible and terrible and everybody hates him um, now there's there's as oh this is a fantasy a high fantasy book so um it's usual that at one point the point of view sort of changes and throughout the different books you get different points of view so you follow selena's point of view uh you follow kale or tail i'm not sure how to pronounce it so you'll forgive me who's the captain of the guards for the king who falls in love with selena at the beginning and then discovers a secret and things ensue there's uh, dorian who's the uh, crowned prince uh, and then later on it's possibly my favourite character which is Manon and she's a witch an iron teeth witch and um, the story of the clans and the witches is one that's really captivating and I was really glad to see quite a lot more of information on the witches in, in um, Queen of Shadows um, so the witches are beautiful they're, they're like the most beautiful women you will ever see um they they are however quite brutal they 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 grow up being taught violence and strength and power um and they've been cut off from their powers for quite a few decades now they've also been banished from their own land and they've been trying to recover that land for centuries now 
you don't really know what the witches are really until Queen of Shadows comes out and then all of a sudden you get a lump of backstory that explains everything they have iron nails and they have iron teeth that snap down and literally they can tear you apart with the bare hands and eat you alive if they so wish, which they usually do. Uh, and they have, um, <laughs> yes, um, Manon's story is quite interesting because she's the heir to the Black Bit clans and um, she's literally been groomed since birth to become a cruel and, and senseless leader almost. But actually... That her her journey is so very interesting because you can see little flecks of what's inside all of that iron and and there is a beating heart there and and it's really really interesting to see how very very slowly um both in in um air of fire and then queen of shadows she's brought out of the shelf and you get to know the character and you kind of all the nuances and and all of the things that that sort of happened to her um from choosing her own wyvern her own dragon which is a mate like an amazing storyline. Wyvern's not a dragon, he said, being a massive nerd. Um, um there's there's a wyvern, a, wyvern, a wyvern is a winged lizard with a scorpion cell. Yes, there's there's different sort of. Um, I want to say dragon races. Species. Uh, species, yes. So so there are wyverns and dragons, and yeah. they've sort of kind of been mixed up and re re. They, they went extinct for a while, or at least everybody thought so and then the king in this mountain finally kind of gets them back to life and gives them to the witches so they can get to the skies again like a dragon conservation program like like exactly and it's brilliant and it's really good and and the way she she chooses her abraxas who's her her mount uh, is just the the sweetest and and most gruesome thing ever in the world because they have like a, a tournament for these dragons so the witches can see what their abilities are and Manon's mount is the bait like he's not supposed to win but he's it's it's just so bound on surviving and so desperate to like be alive that she can't help but choose him go you big winged death engine basically basically and then because he's like broken completely broken because obviously it's been bait for all this time and his wings are ripped and and his teeth are half broken and his skin is full of cuts she literally rebuilds him so she she goes and gets spider like a special spider silk uh, that's like the strongest thing in the world and rebuilds his wings and patches them up puts iron teeth in him and and like literally it becomes this this amazing warrior and flying machine that's like toothless he's got like the sweetest disposition in the world <laughs> but the, the it's fierce dragon. yeah it's fierce and he will fight for for manon for his witch super protective but at the same time it's got this really sweet streak to it uh, and it's just a beautiful story it's just perfect so that's a lot a lot of that is um is sort of explored in queen of shadows um i think 
and and this is obviously just my opinion, but out of all the um, fantasy writers that have come out in the last few years, Sarah Damas is just up there. Like, her world building is fantastic. The pace of the book is just intense. Like, you don't want to put it down. You just want to read the whole thing. And she still manages, right at the end of the book, after four big slap novels, five, six hundred, seven hundred pages, she still manages to make me go, what? No, what? I did not see that coming. How? No, but that makes perfect sense. And and that's just what I want from a book. Just that moment of, oh, I see what you did. I can't believe you did that, but I'm so glad you did. It's It's got the, this massive turn of events at the end and everything that you thought you knew about what was going on in the story is just flipped over the head and it's beautiful, just perfectly done. So recommended, then? Oh, God, yeah. Like, if you haven't picked up this series, why ever not? This is the best fantasy series that's come out in the last ten years, I think. Easy. You, you see, I would say that on, on my list of fantasy authors, uh, new fantasy authors, Sarah J. Maas is not on my list as yet, but maybe I should read some more Sarah J. Maas. Oh. I definitely want to read about a baron at Gwerven. Absolutely. Oh. Um, like, you, you, you want to read about the witch. The witch's story, it's and like the first book where you start reading about them, you're like, what are you doing? Where are you going with this? Because you're obviously telling me all of this for a very good reason. And then on Queen of Shadows, it just explodes in your face and it's like, it makes perfect sense. And like, all of the little personal touches, oh. Can you read Queen of Shadows on its own without having... Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Like, why would you? You're missing, like, all of the story and the world and, and it's just so beautiful but what I can tell you is if you pick up sort of the first book in the series is Throne of Glass then you've got Crown of Midnight Air of Fire you've got Queen of Shadows and then there's The Assassin's Blade which is like a prequel it's the story of Selina before she went to Andavir and then became the, the Queen's Assassin um, or the Queen's champ- the King's Champion sorry um, the beautiful thing that she's doing and it, I especially noticed it in, in Queen of Shadows is there's a new series that's come out called um, A Court of Thorn and Roses of Thorns and Roses and I reviewed that a, uh, a few shows ago and actually it's the same world but a different perspective but it's a compl- like a, it's a different place in the world um but having read that and then read Queen of Shadows, there's something in my head that started ticking. I wouldn't be surprised if down the line there was a series that mixes both. Like if it gets to a point where the stories must combine because of what what the two series are exploring. And oh my God, I would love that. So the themes of the show seem to be usurpers and different perspectives. Absolutely. Shall we discuss that next? Oh yeah. International. International. Got something to share? Want to get your message heard? 
Rob Radio International can help you reach the right audience with our range of targeted advertising and sponsorship packages. Find out more by clicking the advertise link on fabradiointernational.com and get in touch today. See, I would say that my, my current favourite fantasy authors are still Jen Williams and, of course, Francis Harding. Um, it's a very long list, though. There's a lot. This is high fantasy, though. It's elves and strange races and a massive world. Like, this is sort of like... It's more George R.R. R. Martin than uh, all the stuff. So it's the, that type the of... The Promise has the, you know, wizard machines and... And teleporting and true uh, and a dragon. It's got a dragon in it. So it's, that's high fantasy. It's a dragon. It's high fantasy. But yeah, it's it's. What it's, does that make Ivor the Engine? Oh, question. Uh, urban fantasy. Uh, oh, uh, is it urban fantasy? Rural fantasy. Rural, fan- oh. rural fantasy. New genre itself. For Americans and for those. So you you just burn in for that's a format right there that we can exploit. <laughs> I see. Uh, uh, mm. Americans. Uh, and other people not lucky enough to know what Ivor the Engine is. Ivor the Engine is a children's TV programme from the 70s about an engine called Ivor who lives in Wales. Um, <laughs> do we have to explain Wales? No, Wikipedia. Is <laughs> uh, We're not explaining Wales! <laughs> um, and See, that of, could be like a new reality, explaining Wales. <laughs> and one of the characters is Idris, who is a dragon. Oh. Um, and, and he he ends up uh, being put in either the engine because he's a bit cold and dragons need warmth. Oh, that's so really cute. Idris is one of my favourite children's TV characters of all time. Of course, it is. It's uh, a dragon. It's Come a dragon. on. So yes, uh, we, we were going to talk about kind of different perspectives and how you know. Yeah, when it we, comes we're now to... talking about engines and seventies programs and dragons because dragons. But but there is that whole thing where you know. The, the whole idea of it's something that Pratchett kept going on about that, the whole idea that traditional fantasy tends to be from the perspective of a king or, or queen and then tops down whereas if actually if you have a different perspective and a different character which is the thing that to be does quite literally by allowing you to switch perspective all mm. the way through through what is you know, a classic tale of royalty that's quite fun whereas Queen of Shadows is more about the the other side of the story I take it uh, it's not really because actually um, sorry if, if, if you don't want any spoilers about the series just stop listening for 30 seconds right now so actually Selena is a queen that's right. her backstory her backstory is she's a princess that's been hidden and tried to suppress her own memories because it was just too painful because everybody she loved got killed off also those listeners who weren't li- who aren't listening right now you're completely lovely and we're just talking behind you behind your back now we're taking that <laughs> just to say lovely but yeah so it is in that way but because there's multiple points of view throughout the box you could argue it's a bit of both we really shouldn't do spoilers like that because you know, there'll be someone in the car just going ah uh, to be fair like this is the fa- the fifth book 
that's been sort of published in the series and you get that from book two you also get spoilers on the blurb these days yeah uh, well i mean the, it's called yeah. it's called queen of shadows pretty much so that's yeah. pretty much a spoiler there in the first pretty much <laughs> i always love that about big long fantasy series is where it's like is it a king or is it a prince or is it a king or is i mean it, a it prince? could be and the next book is called like king of shadows or something but, like, wow. uh, <laughs> see it could be just a title as in you know the queen of shadows because she's an assassin it, it doesn't necessarily uh, mean yes, it cool. doesn't necessarily yes. mean that she's royalty. However, in this case, mm, um, but just because you work with shadows doesn't mean that you're like royalty or like, shadows. Okay, that would be like me being the first phone lines. The first book is called Throne of Glass. That's because it's mostly about the king of Ad, uh, of Adelan who sits on a literally on a throne of glass. He's like half of his um, castle is made of glass. Bad idea, I can tell you now. Bad idea. Awful. A health and safety nightmare. <laughs> yeah. The second one's called Crown of Midnight. Air of Fire is where you kind of see where this is going. By the time you get to Queen of Shadows, you kind of have a feeling that, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's like, I suppose, you know, Hamlet... Hamlet's like very sort of... It's obviously it's tragic. It's horror. There's ghosts. There's madness. There's like... It's 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 scrim. Like let's face it, um, the the Throne of Glass series because it's a woman. She's like, bugger that! I'm going to become like the best assassin in the world and retake my freaking throne. Because we're practical creatures. Like we don't wallow. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, we've got our moments. But mainly, we're like we're out here to kick butt. I, I just also love the idea that she flies a woven. I like wovens, by the way. I'm very fond of wovens. <laughs> Especially as they always seem to be like setting cousin to dragons. <laughs> yeah. Like in traditional fantasy, wovens are like a bit dim. But I think I've noticed recently, writers seem to start to write dragons like pets, especially cats. There's a lot of cat-like dragons. Like, you know, in fierce independent creatures that always come home. Um, the Nookers like that in the Schlan. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. But yeah, so... so, so it, it, I mean, I would definitely say, because you said, you know, you've got your two favourite fantasy writers. This type of fantasy, for me, uh, Sarah J. Mass and Trudy Caravan, all the way. Shall we flee on the back of our giant bookworm? Christmas, and we're going to go back to our book towers and read our books. Yay! 
That doesn't sound disturbing the, at all. The masses of works. books that I will get under my Christmas tree. So yes, uh, we we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, have a cool festive season, whatever it may be for you. But enjoy your midwinter and Merry Christmas. I have been your host, Ed Fortune. And I have been your host, too, Nympha Hayes. The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune and Nympha Hayes. Produced by A.L. Johnson. La, 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 la.